and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen, and joined, as always, with my co-host, Kyle Jans. Kyle, how are you? I'd say that I'm excited, but we are covering a couple of chapters here with not a lot going on. I think we are going to be discussing what is the most mundane and normal and boring trip to Hogwarts that Harry is likely ever taken in the series. And then just some background information. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think these chapters are a good example of why this book is twice the size of some of the previous books. Yeah. And I know we, we looked at the text size and stuff and, and that could, it could be the same amount of words. I don't know. But I think this is one of those scenarios. At least what it feels like is previously these would have been these two chapters, which roughly cover 20-ish pages, probably more 30-ish pages, would have been covered in three to four paragraphs. There, there's a few small details where characters that play big roles in this book are mentioned and that's established. But yeah. other than for the point of establishing that background information, I don't think that there's much else going on or very necessary about kind of what we read over these past I agree. 20 pages. I agree. It, it set up stuff so that we could almost get payoffs later. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think, yeah, a lot of it could have been um, shortened. And by shortening like some of these chapters into a couple paragraphs or a couple pages, you don't hide the foreshadowing as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So you stretch them out and then some of your foreshadowing gets hidden a little bit. And then obviously when you reread it, you see it all, but maybe the first time through the twist isn't spoiled for you at the end. I think sort of that's what the purpose of these chapters are. And we can talk about each, um, each chapter's purpose a little bit more as we go through them. But I do wonder like, and obviously we'll we'll go through it, but I do wonder really what is the point? Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that being said, we can get right into it. Yeah. We have these... reversed we have reversed order today because we only did one chapter last week. So you're gonna kick us off. Yeah, we are gonna cover two chapters today, but I'm gonna begin with chapter 10, the mayhem at the ministry, and then David's gonna take on chapter eleven all aboard the Hogwarts Express. Anyway, so in this chapter, Mayhem at the Ministry, the crew they're making their way back back now through the chaos of the aftermath of what was the Quidditch World Cup after only a few hours of sleep. Uh, everybody who's at this campsite now is rushing to get their port keys and they want to get out there as quickly as possible. Uh, so eventually the Weasley family, Harry, Hermione, they make their way back to the borough. Uh, Molly comes running out towards them. She's filled with relief that they're back as she didn't know their status. All that she had had was a daily profit newspaper that had news of the dark Mark. Uh, So she was very relieved to see them. Arthur decides to read the story. It's written by a character we'll get to know called Rita Skeeter, all about the, uh, the chaos that happened that night before the writings filled with some accusations. Some of them are founded, some not so much uh, stuff about the lack of security, but it also mentions rumors of, of dead bodies. So Rita's known, I guess, as having this reputation of writing plenty of negative stories about the ministry. 
Arthur decides he's got to go into work. He's got to help smooth over this mess, especially since it involves the muggle department. Percy decides that he's going to go in as well to deliver his cauldron thickness study to Barty Crouch because he thinks that this will probably help somehow. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, they they part off to Ron's room and Harry tells them about how his scar was hurting the other day and now he thinks it's connected to the Dark Mark, as well as Professor Charlwenny's prediction from last year about the Dark Lord returning and becoming stronger than ever before through help from his servant. Uh, he also mentions that he had sent a letter to Sirius Black about his scar and he was awaiting response. Harry and Hermione are at the Weasleys, Weasleys for about a week. Arthur and Percy are working late every night at the Ministry of Magic. Uh, there's some more discussion about Rita Skeeter discovering some new Ministry mishaps to report on, including one of them being that Bertha Borkins has gone missing. So she caught that scoop and is going to publish it in the paper. Uh, Arthur says that Barty is lucky that she doesn't know anything about Winky uh, holding on to the wand that conjured the dark mark. Otherwise, that could have become a big story. Percy and Her Hermione then get into an argument about the treatment of house elves, which leads to a later part of this book later on. And then the chapter ends. Uh, Harry and Ron are revealing the dress robes that Molly bought for them. It's a required item for school this year. Ron's are used and ugly and covered in lace. Harry's are nice and green and they bring out the color of his eyes, according to Molly. That's the chapter. <laughs> yeah, so that's the chapter. Um, so let's talk about um, the point of the chapter or what you think the point of the chapter is. It's an introduction to Rita Skeeter. I think, I think so too. I think it's a backdoor introduction to Rita Skeeter. We we where, learn her motives. Yeah, we learn that uh, that she does not like the ministry. We learn that we, she is really good at getting scoops and information that she isn't supposed to have or know. Mm -hmm. And we learn that she's actually pretty influential in the wizarding world. Agreed. As well, I, I agree. So I think that the all like obviously you you if you just drop her in later on in the book, here's a reporter it doesn't hit as well. And now we have some background info of here's a person who we just sort of are told not to like mm -hmm. um, because we like the Weasleys and the Weasleys don't like her. Yeah. Right. So we're sort of get that sense. It's, it's here's, here's what it is. And it's all hidden through context clues of, well, we're going to talk about what's going on at the ministry. Honestly, nothing that's going on at the ministry right now really matters mm -hmm. to the outcome of the book um, or even like what affect our, our 14 year olds. Are they 14 now? I don't know. Four, yeah. 13, 14, right, right. in that age. Um, because the ministry stuff. Yeah. They, they kind of deserve to get skewered in the press. They did a terrible job with security. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not surprised that the ministry is, or the government is a little bit, you know, frazzled after this type of event. Um, that, that sort of all makes sense. And yeah, there will be, um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but opportunistic is the word I'm looking for. Uh, opportunistic reporters taking this time to, um, to, to take advantage of it. Yep. No. And I mean, I come from a journalistic background, so yes, I agree. And organizations or a ministry or a government essentially being held to account that's important part of the freedom of the press 
I don't agree with her writing style. Like she comes no. across to me as like there's a big difference between a columnist who's going to write out their opinions and write about why something why they are either for or against something that is going on in the world right. versus a reporter who is supposed to be trying to get, you know, both sides of the stories, straight facts, not have their, in, uh, in, uh, their opinion influence the story or what right. they it's are interesting. writing about. It's, Whereas it's, Rita it's interesting. is kind of a mix. Yeah. It's interesting that she writes for the daily profit. Right. And I think part of the issue is that's the only wizard newspaper. I mean, I guess <laughs> we learn about the quibbler, but nobody takes that seriously. Yeah. So, she doesn't seem like a journalist. She seems like a columnist, right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, her opinion's very much coming through. She had written a story once about Bill Weasley, who was, I guess, being interviewed about at Gringotts the Bank. And she describes him in his long hair as a describes him as a long-haired pillock. And obviously, like it's these kind of depictions of people that influence a reader through a story. So mm-hmm. she's pushing her own agenda or her own kind of influences and thoughts without kind of being clear about it. So it is, it is misguided. I don't like that just given my background, of course, but it makes for a strong character in this sense. Yeah. She's really, she's a really interesting villain because I do think she is a villain in the story, Um, but she's not bad. Right. She's just really, really self-serving. Um, she takes advantage of her readers because I don't even think she necessarily believes the things she's writing. Yeah. But she knows that the subsection of people who follow her do, and she's sort of taking advantage of what may or may not be their perceived level of, of intelligence, right? Like the bill thing is a bit interesting, right? Because people often have, especially this is the early nineties, like preconceived beliefs about somebody who has long hair, yeah. like a man Why? with long hair. They're either a hippie or maybe they're gay or whatever they are, but they sh- they're not a banker. Yeah. We even see it's- Molly have that opinion. It comes up again in this chapter a little bit too, but she's, she's, she knows what her audience wants and she's, you know, setting sort of some, some fire to the, the, the press there to, to get it done. Yeah. She's a very good at what she's trying to do. Yeah. She, she knows what she's doing. And this is also an age where I think, it's very different than now with the internet and what we have and stuff and how you kind of have to decipher your media literacy and you know determine whether something is real or fake and that type of thing but i think that there was a time and definitely in like in 1994 or whatever this is whatever people would read in the paper is perceived to be true so if you're reading yeah. yeah if you're reading her opinion of of this uh well let's let's go to the the rumor essentially she does say straight up that there were rumors of dead bodies that were found there but when she's reporting that even though she does say it's a rumor well a you shouldn't be reporting that if you can't confirm correct source correct (laughs) but b that's going to get people in a in a stir absolutely because it's going to be perceived as real she feels a lot like someone who if she wrote on the internet today would write the most ridiculous headlines that her reader base would not read the stories, but would then just tweet out because the the headline. Yeah. Yeah, She seems like she would have clickbait headlines that maybe her stories do or do not, do not back up. But she's very interesting because I had some like pro Rita Skeeter thoughts here. Not, not pro Rita Skeeter, but we, we learned that she finds out about Bertha Jorkins and she's going to publish it, which finally forces the ministry to do something. Yeah. And 
yeah, Arthur had been telling Ludo, you got to do something, but he hadn't. And now they have no choice. They have to. So like, that's good. Yeah. No, she, she keeps them been, accountable. She's for dead. Sure. Like she's dead. It's a little <laughs> late. She's dead, but no one would ever know this. Right. And so that's why it's interesting. And there was um, a comment in here that she had a, a story about the ministry shouldn't care about cauldron thickness and instead should be stamping out vampires, which on the, be wrong. on the surface seems, assuming vampires are bad. Yeah. <laughs> it seems more reasonable. Um, yeah. But so she must get enough things right in her stories that she is credible. Exactly. Um, yeah. To the point where people then would would read her and you'd get half the population would be like, well, we know we got to take some parts of what she says with the grain of salt. And the other half is like, no, everything she said is dead on accurate. It's, it's the gospel. So exactly. when she says there's rumors, oh, there aren't actually rumors. It's just. She, she knows, but she's yeah. not saying. But she's interesting. I, she's yeah. interesting. And I liked, I liked the introduction. I liked that it kind of set it up where. Uh, what happens in this chapter is there Arthur realizes that there's a part that is written about him because she writes about a ministry official who was talking to the crowd and saying that everything was fine despite the rumors of course that a dead body was there Arthur realizes this to be him and so okay there could how she gets these scoops or how she gets the scoops in the in about Bertha Borkins or whatever you have to wonder like oh did Arthur not see her there and recognize her and realize he shouldn't be talking I think in this instance it was chaotic and he was trying to calm people down I don't think she even needed to be disguised here yeah yeah but Um, obviously some other scoops or some other things that makes you kind of wonder but uh yeah that's that also kind of leads us into maybe unless you have anything else on Rita no, no. I mean, my 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 general takeaway is that her thing is definitely taking a clearly factual story, and then exaggerating enough details to rile up her followers without being able to be accused of of being wrong. I think, yeah, like, I think that's exactly. Her thing. And we can touch on the ministry chaos, um, maybe a little bit. I just I didn't have much really to say about it, but since the title is called this chapter is called Mayhem at the Ministry, like. We get we're at a point now. Arthur is spending all of his time at work. He actually compares it to a time when Voldemort was back on the rise or Voldemort was in power before. So I think it kind of actually makes you realize how chaotic maybe it is and how serious this entire situation yeah. is. I think I think the sub the sub purpose of this chapter is to highlight that even though nobody died, even though Voldemort wasn't there. The fact that there was a group of people dressed as Death Eaters and the Dark Mark was cast is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, and that's pretty much all that I really have on it. I I do think that Arthur working himself to the bone over guilt over giving such a nondescript statement was ridiculous. Like, there's no way anyone would actually would have been mad about it he said basically nothing he didn't no exactly yeah i yeah so that's tough like yeah obviously you're there and he is taking like on a leadership position within that situation and trying to calm people down and provide whatever information he can he didn't do anything wrong despite maybe what he thinks I agree. And I think now they're just taking advantage of him because he's willing to put in extra time here. Um, he kind of sounds like he is a little bit of a pushover at the ministry. Agreed. It seems like muggle relations is very low on the 
totem pole. So a lot of the shit from up here just gets sent down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what about this chapter? It did sort of stick out of you as things you didn't really remember. I just, the, the intro to Rita in this style yeah. was really the biggest thing for me. Because I didn't really think of how I was introduced to her the first time around. I assumed that she just showed up because she is the journalist covering the Triwizard tournament. And that is how we met her. But I, we get a little bit of background information. Here. Yeah, that's the exact same thing that I noticed. I didn't remember that that we had background info. But, you know, reading it and talking about it, it makes sense as to why you do something like this. It's so that we have predisposed feelings towards her when she starts writing those articles about Harry. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about things that don't make sense. The first thing that didn't make sense to me, it was a, a throwaway line about how Ron and Harry were going to go play three on three Quidditch. How would you possibly play three on three Quidditch? <laughs> There's too many positions and too many different crazy things going. All you could do is play the version of Quidditch that's just the Chasers and the Quaffle, which is a way better game. Um, you can't play three on three. What, Harry's going to catch the snitch? Oh, Harry's team wins. Like, what? No. Yeah. You can't play three on three Quidditch. Yeah, I imagine. I don't know what you do because you can't just have you can't just have one chaser either because who are you passing it to? So you got to have at least two chasers that maybe you either have one beater or one seeker. That's the only way that I could see it working, though. But yeah. I agree with that. The only other thing, and again, it was a little bit of a throwaway or I'm making a connection here. Um, Molly Weasley went out to go buy Harry his items and mm-hmm. she went to Gringotts to go get his gold and to go buy him his stuff. Gringotts right. is supposed to be like the most super secure bank in the world. So, hey, how does Molly just get to go take out gold for Harry? Uh, yeah, walking I, in, but I then also, as well. but then also, I remembered in the first book, Hagrid literally walks into the bank with a handwritten note and says, Hello, I'd like to stake the philosopher's stone from you, please. And they look at it and they go, Yeah, this is good enough. So, if a handwritten note is going to be good enough to get that, getting into Harry's vault should not be very difficult. Good point, it's a really good point. Um, yeah. I had the same thing. Um, we already talked about how I didn't really think Arthur, you know, working so hard because of his statement makes sense. Um, the the dress robes. Mm-hmm. Why didn't they need dress robes before this? Like, I know There's that no, we're gonna. Yeah. I know that I know that we're gonna have the ball. Yeah. But are we trying to pretend that? They'd never have formal events. And if they did have formal events, the first to 30 years just don't get to go. But I feel like they always should have had dress robes. I could see that. Yeah. I just like, obviously it plays into it being the, the Yule ball and everything like that. You'd probably argue that they should have them because it's just like, yeah, you should have a pair of everyday robes and then you should have a pair of nice robes for like opening banquet for the first day at Hogwarts or something. Right. Like, Everybody has like a suit and a tie or a formal dress or something. Shouldn't be any different. Yeah. It, it just seems like they probably have school dances. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. But it just seemed like it seems weird that only um, fourth years and above 
would need them. I don't understand why everyone wouldn't get to go to the Yule Ball. We can talk about that when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, you know, it just seems it just seems a little a little odd. But yeah, I mean, not too much to be too upset about this chapter because not a lot of plot points are really going yeah. I only had like two other additional small thoughts. Um, Arthur adds something called Ogden's old fire whiskey to Molly Weasley. And it sounds like fireball. And that might be like the strongest or only connection between the wizarding and the muggle worlds at this time. So I just thought that that was interesting. And also that Harry is very perceptive and it kind of pays out this chapter as well, because in the very beginning of the book, when he's having his internal dialogue about his scar and how it hurts and he wants to tell people, but he knows that Hermione will overreact and try and get adults involved or read books and try and figure it out. And Ron will be a little dumbfounded and try and brush it off or try and reason it off. And that's exactly how they react in this chapter. So I just, I liked that payoff there and I, it shows that he's actually very perceptive or he knows these two people very well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I only had one other thought, which is we learned that they had to like really wipe poor Mr. Roberts, uh, his memory. And it's just more <laughs> along terrible. the lines of, Hey, maybe we shouldn't have done this, uh, for the camping in a muggle owned campground. Maybe there's something else we could have done. Yeah. We can talk about that more in yeah, the, maybe, uh, in the next set. Maybe this I, is not an ethical thing. To <laughs> yeah. Uh, any quotes that jumped out at you I just there weren't a lot but Ron introduced me to two British slangs that I had never heard of before Okay, Uh, bung him some owl treats it might shut him up Ron says of his owl pigwidgeon bung equals to throw or shove carelessly or violently and then he also says I'll go starkers before I put that on and uh, talking about the dress robes starkers equals naked which they kind of allude to or talk to after but i had to look it up just because i had never heard of that word before in that context that's funny i also um i also grabbed a britishism this one was from arthur and he says well that fat's really in the fire now and that means um a course of action with inevitable bad consequences has begun um so that was something along the lines of them talking about all them the mishap at that at the at the world cup that has now caused the, the ministry quite a bit of problems i like that saying okay so some difficult decisions for lvp and mvp where'd you decide to go i had two um i considered rita skeeter and it was mostly just because of the journalism background that i couldn't let it go that a lot of her reporting was just filled with bias and unfounded facts um I went with Percy again because any time that he goes on about his important job at the ministry, which you can tell is not important. And he's like very much inflating whatever importance or whatever role he plays around there, but there's that. But then also he took another step forward and kind of like his, 
separation from his family or kind of causing more of a rift between what he will have with his family in the future, where he actually blames his dad for some of the happenings at the World Cup and also says that he shouldn't have been making any statements to people without getting approval from a department head first, a.k.a. when he was quoted in the paper. Yeah, he he is is a department head. head. Yeah. So that that really pissed me off. And I didn't really think that there was anyone else that I could really pin it on as closely as to him. So I went with Percy again. It's fair. He was definitely on my list as well. He also just doesn't seem to understand why people are mad about the security. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go a different direction just because I couldn't be bothered to choose Percy again. I'm going to go with Hermione. Hmm. Um, when they're talking about the scar and stuff, it comes up, they start talking about Trelawney and her, vision and she still is dismissing trelawney as it's true yep and she's not a fake she's just not a very good seer but she has her moments right so i'm gonna go with hermione for that she also kind of shook her head and said like oh boys when they decided they wanted to go play quidditch instead of you know worrying about whatever they were worrying about it's um, a good it's a good distraction a good way to cope when you're stressed I, or in a I kinda, situation go i kind of thought it too go play yeah. some sports with your friends yeah so I, I mean it's a tough break for hermione but that's where i went this time <laughs> on the that's flip fair. side mvp this was tough this was really tough because nothing really great happened but i decided to go molly weasley um just because of you know we get to see a lot of her better qualities here yeah she's happy she's laughing she was really uh embraced the twins when they came back and like kind of let go of the fact that she was upset before and you know and she went and got harry all his stuff and got him nice robes and like i don't know that it was a it was slim pickings yeah no i i picked the exact same one though like yeah she felt really guilty about the conversation that she had last had with them worrying that that would have been the last conversation they had uh and then also yeah she's pretty quick to strike down percy when he blames his dad for the happenings and then yeah she was very thoughtful about not only getting harry a pair of robes but getting him a pair or a set that matched his eyes i thought that that, that's just it's a small detail but it goes to show how much she cares and for that i liked it so i she is our two-time mvp in this chapter yeah yeah tough break all right so next up, we got chapter 11, uh, aboard the Hogwarts Express. And my summary of this chapter is they arrive at school. Yep. The end. But yeah. we can talk about a couple of things because it's, it's not quite that straightforward. We can talk about like three things that happened before that. So basically, it's time to go back to school. As they're getting ready, uh, Arthur gets a, a flame message from Amos Diggory that there's a bunch of muggles upset that's... Um, all sort of stemmed from an incident at somebody named Mad-Eye and Moody's house. And they need to get him off with a warning before he starts his new job. Uh, so then they end up taking actual taxis to King's Cross because they couldn't get ministry cars this time. Um, and then as they are about to leave, they sort of hear from Charlie and Bill and Molly that something exciting is going to happen in Hogwarts. We hear on the, we're now on the train. We hear Malfoy say that he, almost went to Durmstrang, which we learn is another school. And we learn about Bobatons, which is another school and how schools are impossible to find. They run into their friends. Neville did not go to the World Cup. They talk about everything that happened. Uh, Malfoy 
also knows what's happening in the school year. And he insults Ron about his family as per usual. And then they arrive at school. Yeah. Like, it's the, it, when you have a Hogwarts express chapter, you're guaranteed to have them meeting and interacting with friends. Usually there's some kind of event that happens on the train this time. Not really. Nothing. And then there's always an encounter with Malfoy, always an encounter with Malfoy. Yeah, so, so it's just the way it goes. So last time, last chapter, we, there was an actual point to it, right? We were really trying to set some background from Rita. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the point of this chapter is. So like on the surface, it seems like the point should be, oh, we're going to hint about the Triwizard Tournament. Okay, but that's the name of the very next chapter. Mm-hmm. We, you could have just told it. We didn't need hints. We, had sort of, we already had those hints from the World Cup chapter. We didn't need more to only have it revealed in like the next chapter, right? Like it's not like we have this and then we find out seven months down the road what they were yeah. talking about we're going to find out immediately immediately so it doesn't really serve like a foreshadowing of the triwizard tournament i mean i guess technically it does but like not a good foreshadowing not good the i would the the, the biggest thing that comes out of this chapter i think is establishing mad eye moody establishing that he had some kind of interaction or run-in that alerted some muggles before he was going to hogwarts aka kind of him where I assume this is where he would have been invaded or kidnapped or whatever in order for Barty Crouch Jr. to take over him for the school year. Yeah, I think I agree. The most important important part of this chapter is the break-in um, because it's supposed to appear again, kind of like the Rita stuff, nondescript, like they, they sort of yeah. bury it in the rest. You don't think about it. Second, it, it, it's... It's very yeah. passive in the in this sense compared to what actually I guess happens on the train where there's some back and forth and we have some conflict, of course, between Ron and Malfoy as we normally do. That's the type of stuff that we expect. So when you hear about this character and his new job, it, it's very easy to glaze over that right. because you don't even know who this guy is or if he has any bearing on the book whatsoever at this point. Right. And, and exactly. And so I agree with you. This is definitely where he gets captured. Um, and yeah, the, the only other thing that they even do in this chapter is they talk a little bit about the schools and we obviously get a little bit of pre-intro before we're again introduced to them. But again, that's going to happen very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get the hint about Karkaroff, the, the Durmstrang headmaster, that he has some dark arts ties. Um. Which yeah, the, has the like entire, a minor impact on the story, I suppose. Yeah, but the entire school kind of has dark arts ties, which I had kind of forgotten about, but is certainly established. And I guess, yeah, it ties in a little bit later on, but it also just seemed like a way to establish that there is, I guess, the good arts or whatever you want to say, call them just the normal everyday magic that you learn, and then the dark arts there we get more of this establishment that there is good and bad i guess yeah it, it's it's not a very useful chapter i think i i the only thing that's important is the break-in yeah and they bury it um so that the, it doesn't seem important but that one on the read back you're like oh no that, that's that's very makes, important yeah yeah and the, the only thing i'd add, add also about that mad eye moody is yeah we learned about the break-in and we also learn through 
Arthur Weasley, who we have come to trust, like any of the Weasleys, basically. We yep. come to trust them. We trust their opinion. They think very highly of Mad-Eye Moody. They want to get him off with a warning. You learn that he has spent his entire life as an, or not entire life, but his adult life as an or uh, catching dark wizards, sending them to Azkaban. He, said, he seems like an upstanding guy. And through that, instantly, I think the reader kind of subliminally is like, oh, yeah, we can we can trust this guy once we meet him. So yeah, I so think that that's interesting as well. It, it is. Uh, let's jump around here because it goes into one of the things that I have that doesn't make sense to me is the way they portray him here, though. Mm-hmm. So you're right. They definitely give off the we like Moody. We want to get him out of trouble. Um, and they talk about his like respected dark wizard catching past. But they treat him like he's insane now. <laughs> And it might be a little insane. That's the thing. <laughs> and, and I think looking back at it, I think if he, we maybe should have known as the, as the book sort of progresses that the way they talk about him and like what would make him sort of crazy in this time is not the type of crazy he is as a professor. Right. Mm-hmm. So we get a sense, we get told, oh, he's kind of a crazy old guy. And then when he does things like torture the spider and teach them, like, you're like, oh, he's a crazy. But that's not the type of crazy he is. He's paranoid, yeah. right? It's like, par- it, that's And that's exactly it. Paranoid was a key word, actually. And mm-hmm. I had written, had it down. We hadn't mentioned it. But yeah, there's a difference between being paranoid, crazy, and always looking over your shoulder and being kind of like nonsensical yeah. in, in that sense compared to, yeah, like the way that you describe it, where. So it's interesting. It's a really cool burial of who he is. And then you say words that have multiple meanings. And then when you're just like, oh, that's totally just him. He's just a weird guy. But then again, when you know that that's not, not him, um, mm-hmm. it's, it seems obvious, right? Like, or, or it seems well-placed. So I think, again, the Mad-Eye stuff is pretty cool. But before we talk about other things that don't make sense, let's, let's cycle back to anything about this chapter that you forgot. There's um. That- yeah not much like i had i assumed that the schools knew where they were and it it, so i didn't forgot or didn't know that they were untraceable i guess even though they have very kind of specific traits to them that end up making them kind of obvious where i guess maybe in the europe they are where in the world they are um i got kind of a russian vibe from from oh it's russia for sure yeah exactly and bobatons is french french exactly yeah yeah so i mean those are those are the vibes that i get for sure and so it's just kind of interesting that uh, they i guess it's more so the exact location of it is where they don't know but yeah that was really the only thing that kind of like stuck out as something that i didn't really remember i could say i didn't remember anything in this chapter but it's strictly it's a very uneventful trip to hogwarts it is the the only thing i i really clocked was when they're talking to amos molly passes him food through the fire message and that feels like a very useful thing they could have used later on that never comes back um, would, that you can pass items through the fire messages that would yeah okay it would be useful to pass items i was just i, I put it down in other thoughts but like there is nothing dignified about being fed a piece of toast by another adult through a fire by a pair of tongs agreed like agreed. open up open up david i'm gonna feed you this toast right now it's don't true. use your hands it's There's, true. you don't have any hands so yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, no, agreed. Um, so things that don't make sense. Let's just talk about how they took regular taxis. Yeah, to, that's what I had. Um, I got a couple of things. Number one, how did the taxis even get to the borough? Yeah. How did they would they there? not be suspicious about yeah. the architecture of the borough and everything going on? Any other magic thing that is going on outside the house? Like it's it's not a normal house. It is. It seems like it's in the middle of nowhere. Why would there not be a wizard transportation system to King's Cross, specifically for house? Either port keys or flu powder. And I, I still don't understand why they don't just apparate there because they disapparate away. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, no. Ron, your turn. I'm going to bring you, let me bring all your, unless, unless you can't apparate with things, but you definitely can. So I don't know. It's just. Yeah. It, it bugged me because taxis. they, they used a port key to go to a muggle campground. So why can't you use a port key to go to a muggle train station yeah not to mention how many red flags you are sending off to these taxi drivers when you're yeah. coming in with well, a just towel, wipe their memories a cat yeah and merry christmas everyone no it's august but yeah a cat yeah. that is not in a kennel or anything just hanging around scratching everyone it's it, it seemed like a very chaotic trip and a very suspicious trip yeah um and then the last thing I had was just to sort of harp on this again. You talk, you mentioned it. They talk about how you, you can't really find the schools. Mm-hmm. Why did we not do something like that for the World Cup? <laughs> Why didn't we just have the World Cup at Hogwarts? I don't, they have a yeah. You can easily update the pitch or whatever you need to in order to yeah get more people there. If only if only you were going to have you can host feasts and sleeping quarters and <laughs> i mean you think about it this way so you definitely have a bunch of like sleeping quarters in the castle there's a ginormous grounds you could do campsites um you already have a quidditch pitch if you need to upgrade it it's not a waste of money because you're about to have the triwizard tournament so you'll get double use it just seems way would have been way more efficient or even if you didn't choose hogwarts do something similar mm-hmm. where do they play quidditch like in their Quidditch leagues. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a big, yeah, it's a big Quidditch league, a big deal. Obviously, like Victor Crumb is a household name. They gotta have some kind of stadium set up. <laughs> and again, at the, if you have a bunch of stadiums set up, you didn't have to, we've talked about it, you don't have to have the camping nearby when you have magic. So unimportant, unimportant, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of this chapter, but it just bothered me again. Um, in terms of you know, final thoughts. We already talked about how we think this is Barty Crouch capturing Mad Eye. Um, I think this is the first time we've seen fire messages, and it, it comes back a couple of times. Yeah. It's not vital, but the the only other thing I really noted was it's sort of impressive that the Tri Wizard tournament hasn't leaked, but every adult we seem to talk to seems to know about no. it. Yeah, Malfoy so, knows. I'm sure he's not the only kid that knows. It, yeah, it is a little odd that it hasn't leaked at this point, especially if it's so well known and Rita Skeeter hasn't written about it yet. It yeah, just seems, I, I guess it seems backwards. I guess the adults that we sort of talk talk to here and talk about are pretty well connected. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously Malfoy, he's he's well connected. We know the Weasleys are are well connected. Obviously, Percy's been um in that department and, and Charlie's been doing the dragon stuff. So of course. Maybe it's just that it happens that we, them, the families we're talking to know about it, but in general, um not. But yeah. Any any other final thoughts on what seems to be the most useless chapter we've read so far? There's a lot of emphasis once again on kind of the ron malfoy rivalry where malfoy has found a sore spot where he can make fun of the wealth of the weasleys and that gets to ron and it gets to him so bad to the point where he's silent and moody throughout the rest of the train ride home so i i don't know again there's just that added that added uh emphasis on on that malfoy coming from a richer family the weasley's not having as much it's an easy it's it's low-hanging fruit in regards to things that malfoy could make fun of ron for but it really impacts him and it really gets him going and malfoy knows that so of course that's why he does it and then also just how that kind of really really drives kind of Ron's desires to be known for something or to kind of rise above that or prove himself. So I, I just think it's interesting because that always kind of gets sprinkled in throughout the entire series. And this is just another example of that. Yeah. Uh, any quotes that jumped out at you? Um, Your father thinks very highly of Mad-Eye Moody, said Mrs. Weasley sternly. Yeah, well, dad collects plugs, doesn't he? Said Fred quietly. So I just thought it was a good description of Arthur because he is a bit of a a weirdo. But uh, also just a good funny quip from Fred. Mine is a good funny quip from George. Perfect. Yeah. You know what, Percy? I reckon he'll know your name soon. Uh. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I misread that. Sorry. Let me, let me go in. Yeah. You know what, Percy said, George, seriously, I'll reckon he'll know your name soon. And it's the seriously portion of it where he, he, he sort of deadpans it to, to get at Percy. Um, so I like that. I like that too. They're full of good quips. This is the book where they really, where they become very likable. I think like, yeah, they're, they're in the previous books and they help out. Um, Harry with the Marauders map and everything and they're always there and kind of always have little funny things but they take on a bigger role in this book obviously where we learn some of their passions of uh, Weasley's wizard Weasley's Mm -hmm. or whatever and they become they become deeper characters and it starts with this book for sure yeah so this is a this is going to be a tough break for an LVP and, and a, a little lame win for an MVP. Yeah. I'm going to start MVP because we literally just we just did it. For me, it's the twins. They were just funny in this chapter. They had some funny lines, and um, I actually went okay. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I went a different way because I was scraping the barrel, the bottom, bottom of the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, so yeah. I'll go. I'll go both of mine, and then we can talk about both of yours. Okay. On the flip side, I went with a different Weasley brother. I went with Ron. Oh, um, okay. He just, and it's it's literally what you were just talking about. He can't stop letting Malfoy get to him to the, the fact of like immediate reaction. It's one thing if what Malfoy says bothers him. Mm-hmm. That's reasonable. Malfoy's being an asshole. But he can't stop letting Malfoy know that he's getting to me. Like he breaks the door, right? When Malfoy's yep. still there. And it's like, man, 
you're not helping yourself because you're just showing him how bothered you are and he's just going to keep doing it. Um, and like I said, there's not a lot going on in this chapter. So, so that's the best I could come up with. So you went, I went L- LVP Ron okay. MVP, the twins. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I went MVP Amos because I was scraping the barrel bottom of the barrel. I think we did him a little dirty at the beginning of this book as well. And I wanted to give him a win. Um, so he, he came in and like, cause there was nothing telling him or making him give Arthur Weasley a heads up that he needed to get into the office to try and cover some tracks in regards to Mad-Eye Moody and help protect the reputation of the, the ministry. He didn't need to do that. I don't think, but he did out of maybe friendship or kindness. And it might be a very lowbrow reason, but I wanted to give it to Amos this time. Reasons are reasons. I'm, I'm yeah. good with it. I think, yeah, Amos, uh, Arthur, Matt, I seem like they're pals. Mm-hmm. Helping your pal out. Um, yeah. Should you be helping your pal out if he's, you know, setting recycling bins to attack people? Maybe not, but, you know, he chose to. So yeah. it's all good. And what about LVP? Where'd you go that? Where'd you go that direction? I wanted to say like Charlie, Bill and Molly, because they were teasing them about the Triwizard tournament, but not saying anything. And I just, I hate that feeling. I hate when people are like, Oh, you're going to find out soon. I'll see you sooner. I hate when some people, someone knows something that they are not telling me and they're making it obvious. If you know something that I don't know, that's great. Don't tell me though. <laughs> so that, that's where work. it bugged me. Yeah. You got to pick one though, because the spreadsheet doesn't let me enter three options. Well, I would have considered them, but I just went Malfoy by default because it feels cheap to select them, but it just seems like it's the traditional thing. Whenever there's a Hogwarts express chapter that Malfoy has to be chosen because he's just a complete dick. I'd be, interested, I'd be interested to go back actually and see the other uh, platform well, or Hogwarts chapters to see who the LVP is. And if it's him most of the time. Yeah, it could, definitely could be. Definitely could be. I think we chose uh, Neville on the last one. Yeah, he might have been. Because he just told everyone that Harry fainted. Um, I know, I think on the sixth book where Malfoy like catches Harry, I think he'll probably get, he has a good chance to get MVP because Harry's snooping and he catches him and puts him in his place and that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Although it could be Luna probably who will get it by the time that's we get true. there. But yeah. he probably won't be LVP at that time. No. So he'll definitely at least escape that. Yeah. So okay. I just I decided to go Malfoy for this one because he, yeah, he's just yeah takes advantage of those opportunities. Good on him yeah. for doing it. Like I mean, if you if you hate someone and that's what drives you to make you sleep at night is insulting <laughs> people, he's very good at it and he knows exactly how to do it against Ron. So he does. He 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 definitely knows how to get under his skin. Uh, and that will sort of do it for this week where we read chapters that theoretically things happened in. We've managed to talk about them for a while. We talked about things. We definitely (laughs) talked about things. Uh, Next week should be better. One chapter next week, the Triwizard Tournament. Um, It's going to be fun. We're going to get more info on the schools. We're going to get info on the tournament. Um, I don't know what else we're going to get, but that, that if it's just those two things, that should be a fun read. We're, we're going to have a lot to talk about, I think. I can't wait. I My recollection of a lot of these chapters, besides the main plot, 
doesn't really go beyond. So I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of the smaller, minute details about what these schools are about and what exactly the Triwizard Tournament is about. See if there's any other details that I might have forgotten. So I think yeah, there's a really that. there's a really key detail about one of the schools that I think you've forgotten. Um, that I I'm excited to see your reaction to. It's, Excellent. It 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 plays no real bearing on anything, but I think it's it's cool because it's a it's a difference from the movie and it's like hmm, that was a weird choice you made movie people um <laughs> but then we could talk about the with the tournament as a whole we talk about how why does it span the entire school year instead of like a three-week phase yeah. i don't know but we could talk about things like that uh next week when we're back yeah otherwise Follow us on Instagram otherwise right now at Harry Potter reread podcast. Give us a follow, send us a message, take part in our polls, check out our stories. That's where all of our good content is. Yeah, we do things there and we're uh, available in places you get podcasts, which you know, because you are listening to said podcast. That's it. That's it for this week. Episode 43 of Harry Potter and the reread podcast. I'm David. That was Kyle. Bye.